Hey folks, it's Josh Karajewski and this is the Modern Agile Show, episode 30. I'm here with my good friend, Ted Young. Ted is a passionate uh, Agile technical person. Back, We go back to the 1990s, right? Yep. Design patterns. We were, Ted was part of our uh, design pattern study group in Soho, New York City, back in the day. Yep. And uh, Ted has remained extremely technical over all these years. Yep. Um, That's where I'm at, technical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you love helping people become rock star programmers, just yeah. awesome programmers, yeah. right? Yep. That's where I'm at. Yeah. And uh, what, tell let's let's talk more about this. So I know we were, we were just talking about safety. Yeah. And how important safety is. And you were using an interesting word. Um, so scaffolding. Scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the one of the interesting and and you know I think there's a lot of um, when people hear safety, they think of psychological safety, which is really important. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I come from the really technical side and I think of scaffolding as providing safety so I can mess around. That's right. And so I can, you know, provide some structure and put something around it and, and make me feel safe so I can make mistakes. Yeah. Um, you can and experiment I, and learn. Yeah. Because and you've got a safety net. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think the other part of, of the scaffolding is, is uh, also providing the structure and giving me direction because I think where some of and this you know it's, obviously it always goes back to psychological it's like where anxiety comes from is like oh, yeah. I don't know what to do next right and you know I'm, I'm a big TDD fan and so where um, what I love about it is I do the hard thinking when I'm doing the testing and then the coding is easy I know exactly what I need to do and there's so much lower anxiety with that, which goes back to, to the psychological safety, but it's right. because I have that code safety. You have that physical safety. It's so yeah. interesting. You're making me think of something really that I hadn't thought of here, which is of course the, the safety net is going to be present all the time, but scaffolding, we put it up, we take it down. Right, right. So w when do we need scaffolding versus when do we need yeah, um, that's, safety Yeah, that's interesting because you're right, because the, the, the testing obviously is there hopefully all the time and is still safe. Um, and so sometimes you're, you're going through a process of, I don't know what to do and I need to play around, but I need to make sure I'm safe when I'm playing around. Right. And, I, and I'm gonna make it ugly and kind of messy, but it, the scaffolding sort of limits that. Yes. And, and then once I know what I'm doing, I can take it away and, and continue on. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. um, there's sort of the, the preparation for, oh, this is gonna be a really messy refactoring or I don't know what it's gonna look like. And so let me put some stuff around it and make it messy. And then I can, ah, now I see what I need to do and take it away and now now I can move on. But there's always that sense of like, oh, okay, this is, you know, at worst I can throw it away. Right? Yes. And, th and, that's, and that's, you know, we were talking about that before where there's always this hesitation to delete stuff and like, and or throw away stuff that, that oh my God, I spent hours on this I, and you're struggling with it. And, you know, this, another, you know, code safety thing is just if you're committing often, you can always throw your stuff away. Right. It's in the history. Yeah, and I always tell people like, look, the hardest part wasn't the typing, right? It was the thinking. The thinking. Mm -hmm. um, so throw away the typing. You've yeah. already done the thinking, yeah. and just and just redo it. And so being able to have those commits, even though it's a tiny little thing, I always say people, you know, that's part of the TDD cycle is that commit, so that you can throw it away and and do it again. Um, now that you've done the thinking and see, oh, this didn't work. And so that, that's actually another type of, of, of technical safety is, yes. is, is committing often. Committing often keeps you safe because yeah. it's, all, it's all there in history. Yeah. yeah. I think um, you've probably experienced this. You're, you, you have a piece of legacy code 
you'd love to like write some micro tests to keep it safe for when you refactor, but the code wasn't written to be micro testable. Right, right. There's just no entry points into that code. So in my experience, we end up writing some high level tests right. that we intend to throw away. Right, that's we true. We just throw them together right, really right. fast. So they give us some coverage, they give us some temporary safety scaffolding, and then we can go in and modify and start to like make the code testable. Right. Um, and then get rid of the scaffolding. That's true. In fact, I've, I've, I've been working with with a company who's we're doing exactly that. Is we're, we're we can't you know I'm like how can we test this thing? It's like oh we can't access it without creating this other thing in this server and this other server is up and running. And so okay, well let's start off. We're finding that outer boundary that's as close as possible yes. to the thing you want to break apart. It's like oh, but these tests are really slow and they're kind of ugly. It's like, yes, but we won't need them always. Right, right. You so know, it doesn't once, have to be a high-speed right. test all the time. Right. It can be an ugly test. Right. In but fact, it's there providing, are a lot of those. <laughs> it's providing the safety you need temporarily. Right. right. That's beautiful. I think yeah. uh, that's that's where making safety a prerequisite, our, you know, the southernmost portion of modern Agile, yeah. is... It's the foundation and, and supports all the other things. It because does. Because it does. if you, you don't have that... As you said earlier, you if you want to experiment and learn in the code base, if you want to try things, but you're you're like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to break something, right. you'll never do it. Yeah. There's no psychological safety there. Right. So it's interesting. There's code safety. There's code... And then it enables psychological it enables safety. It, yeah. it's, a, it's definitely a part of it because if you have that there. And again, I, I always, you know, I, I think like a lot of people, you know, suffer from some, some, some anxiety about, I don't know what to do next. And, and for me, that's, you know, that's where um, providing, having that structure and that, and that safety means I can go explore a little bit. And if I go off in the, in the wrong direction, I can, I can always come back and be like, okay, that's, that's not a big deal. Um, I can I can recover quickly, and that really makes makes it more likely that I will experiment and that I, I can try different things out. Do you find that companies are just not paying enough attention to safety in the code code? Yeah, safety? I mean, and I think they don't because, you know, I was talking with you about this before. They haven't seen, you know, like you know when we think about sports and we think about you know athletes, we're looking at like the pre premier, you know, the top of the top, the creme de la creme, you know, of people who know what they're doing and have been trained and coached to, to, to do this thing extremely well, right? Really, like, this is how you play basketball. We don't have those kinds of models in software development. Mm. We haven't seen, like, what is a, the, you know, superstar what does a superstar coder. team look like? Right. What is, you know, that's really working together um, so and, right. and making progress and what does superstar code look like yeah. where everything is just you know really smooth and easy to move around. We don't have a lot of those examples. We can't make anyone awesome if, if we're not looking at awesome, yeah. studying awesome. If we're not studying We, we used to, back in the 1990s, we used to study rock star code. We, right. we would look at you know uh, the evolution of JUnit yep. and we would yep. study it and look at how JUnit was involved. How did it get built? What were the patterns being used? We would look at, remember we would look at, uh, what was it, J some drawing program, Hot Draw. Oh, Hot Draw, yeah. Hot Draw. It's funny, there, I, I do a lot of academic research and that keeps coming up. It's like, haven't we moved on since then? <laughs> like, is there, is that was that the end of the good code era where, where now there's no more models? And it's kind of funny because it's all open source now. You know, when we were studying this stuff, there wasn't very much open source. Yeah. Um, but it seems like it's harder and harder to define those good examples so that we can say, this is what good looks like. This is what good looks this like. This is what, you, you know, this is what awesome looks like. 
And, um, and with repositories, we can see what awesome because how it becomes how awesome. it becomes that. Yes, yeah. yeah um, the, the 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 evolution of of how it got from here to there. Oh, this really kind of sucked, and and it got better in this way. So you're uh, saying we need more of these these stellar examples to study from, yeah, in order for us to become really really good. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And you, I know, are like fascinated about um, learning and about yeah. how the mind works. You're, you're helping all these developers acquire, you, you, you know, whether, whether it's learning excellent JavaScript skills or uh, Spring Boot or whatever. At the same time, you're also interested in how do people learn. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's, you know, there's things that I think for, for me come naturally, like how to think about, okay, how do I create a, a lab exercise that people are going to work on without either basically making it uh, a bunch of copying and pasting and or versus here, go build this thing and you have no idea how to approach it. And so there's this middle ground of thinking about how, how do they get from here to there, but how do I, I provide scaffolding? How do I provide enough support? How do I, and learning needs that safety too. How do I provide that safety so that but not so that's so safe that they don't feel like they accomplished anything. Right. It's and, a very and maybe fine there's line. yeah, and maybe there. So that's interesting because there's feeling awesome means I did something that was hard. Yeah. Right. 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 And that I got to something that was really cool mm -hmm. or really useful. You accomplished or, something amazing. Yeah. And so how do you how do you get people from? I don't know if I can do that. I have no idea how. How do you you know how do you create a, a an architecture? You know how do you use this thing? Um, how do you create a microservice that talks to another microservice and, and you know, just how do you do that? And some of it comes from, well, what do you already know? And because uh, people already come in as being awesome. Um, and how do you take that information and give them the right steps to make, to take the, you know, to, to get to the next point, but also with enough safety that they don't, you know, there's that fine line, right? You look at, you know, Csikszentmihalyi and flow. It's like between being bored and being overly challenged where you just give up and, th and throw up your hands and like, I don't know, mm -hmm. what's the point of this anyway? Do you, how do you test that? Do you, do you, when you make a new exercise, do you test that you've hit that fine line there that people are not so afraid to try it and yet they're still challenged to try it? How do you test? Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's, that's, you know, of all the things that I do in my training, that is the hardest part, is how do you get it so that it's just finely balanced? And you can only do it through a test because, right. you know, you and I suffer from the curse of expertise, right? Mm -hmm. We already know this and we, we're like five steps ahead of, of people who don't know it because, well, we used to be not know it, and, but now we do because we've done it for, for so long and we've made lots of mistakes and, and learned from that. Um, and so figuring that out, so, I try to tend towards providing too much information mm -hmm. because I'd rather they get a little bored than completely lost. Right. right. Um, but yeah. but it's you know and so I'll, I'll look at like so I'll take really detailed notes when I'm giving trains like how long did it take them to do this? Mm -hmm. What was the range of people? Because you know if you're teaching a class of twelve people, you're going to have some people who are really you know behind and some people who are really ahead and and how do you do that? And you know you're not going to please everybody. And so how long did it take? Yeah. What did they? What questions did they ask? It sounds um, like customer obsession to me. You're obsessed with your students and, yeah, and how absolutely. to make them awesome by analyzing like everything that they're experiencing during the exercise. But and creating that training is very much it, it. It's right. This is the fundamental part of agile. You're doing it incrementally. You're delivering it, but you're you're t getting the feedback from the students. You're saying what are they struggling with. Uh, you're seeing wow that was that part was really hard. I need to break this down or provide some more examples of it. 
right? And it goes back to because there aren't a lot of good examples of how do you go from here to here, yeah. um, and how do you take them from those from place to place in a way that's still challenging enough that they feel like, wow, I did that all by myself yeah. with a little bit of help versus I just copy and paste this. I mean, we already have enough people copying and pasting from Stack Overflow that you know we don't want to encourage that. But sometimes you need to start from that. You need to start out with, look, just copy and paste this here, and then we'll look at, well, how do you change it? How do you, so again, it's providing that, that scaffolding, that safety, mm -hmm. so that they can take that, that larger and larger step. Nice. And, and what, what do you find is the biggest challenge that most developers face these days? Like, uh, you know, I know there's so many technologies to learn. There's like all this uh, pressure from the business to produce yeah. and produce. What are you seeing out there as? as you know, I, I think it goes back to the, what we were talking about before is there, there aren't a lot of good examples um, that that it feels like enough people believe in mm. that it's right or that it's 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 useful. So people uh, try to make microservices right away. You mentioned another right. thing recently to me. The which one was it? The, the, um, oh, the micro, -lift? micro lift. Yeah. So yeah. So micro so lift. It's it's funny. It's hard to say. Yeah, microlith is sort of this combination of microservice and monolith, and I think monoliths, you know, and I think we're starting to see some of the you know pendulum swing and, and you know fads come in. And microservices are the answer to everything. It turns out, well, maybe not. So like segment.io is basically backed off of, of these microservices because they're really almost too granular and can be hard to work with. Monoliths weren't bad in and of themselves. They were just, when they were a big ball of mud, they were very hard to, hard to work with. And so yeah. this idea of, well, let's make them small, but not so small but that we'll have a thousand of them, which then brings on different problems. But let's use good principles of, of modularization of separation between things. Um, and that's where I teach the ports and adapters architecture, I think works really well for that, whether it becomes a microservice or whether it's just a monolith that is very well structured. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really good way of figuring out what goes where. And so I think people struggle with, where do I look for these types of things? Because you know, everybody talks about just their experience and what works for them. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to get, well, what works for most people, or how do I evaluate whether, whether this works? Um, so many fads that come and go, it's yeah. really hard. I mean, at the end of the day, like if you're not really focused on making the customer awesome, which I think includes technical safety, like it that has is, to. If, you have a, if you have a big ball of mud, if you have a really difficult code base to work in, you're never going to make your customer yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that, that goes without saying, but I can say this. I've worked on monoliths that were really well designed, good test coverage. We could deploy them continuously. Right. And I have not faced this sort of like, you know, oh, this really should be microservices. Right. It just hasn't occurred. It's like, wait a minute, we can change it at will and, and deploy it at will. What's the big deal? So like, I think there has to be a really compelling reason to shift to any fad and make sure maybe it's it should never be a fad. It should be this is providing real value. Yeah. So, so I think it actually goes back to, 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 if you look at design patterns, when I talk to, to students who aren't really familiar with it, they don't understand what a design pattern is. Yeah. Like you look at a design pattern, it talks about what is the context, what forced us to come up with this solution. Right. And we just look, oh, build, let's use Builder here, let's use Strategy here, let's use you know, Singleton because, oh no, we shouldn't use Singleton, Singleton. anymore. And it's like, well, you know, there are some times where it's appropriate. But if you don't understand 
why did they, you know, and I used to hate history when I was growing up. I hated social studies, I did horrible on it. And now I find myself, of course, because I'm older, history is really important. Understanding, you know, where yeah. these things came from, what was going on, why did they write patterns? Oh, so that brings to mind a word, another word you used, the, the, the V word. Oh, viscosity. Viscosity. Yeah. Can you talk about viscosity? Yeah, so, so, you know, we talk about big ball of mud. If you think about mud or something, or like molasses, it's really hard to move in it, and you can, you know, certainly not safe, right? You're slipping around. Highly viscous. Uh, you know, highly viscous means it's really, you know, cold molasses in January, right? It's, it's really not going to allow you to, to move very well. And so, you, so by having, by, by thinking about, like, is this really hard to work with? How much work do I have to do to change something? Um, the harder that is, and we can use some metrics to measure that, but just the feeling of the viscosity is like, ah, oh, this is really just hard to work with. Right. Um, that definitely is, is, is going to be something that you need to figure out. Well, how do we get out of this? Yeah. And that seems to require some self-awareness, though. Like our, yeah. our developers, young developers that are new to the field, whatever it is, young or old, doesn't matter if they're new, develop, new to development, are they self-aware of, hey, this is hard? That's, that's either like, oh, well, my job is hard. It's programming. It's supposed to be hard. Or you get to a level where you're like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, be hard. And that goes back to, I think, not having good examples, not seeing it should not be this hard. Right. That's, and I think I, yeah. I, I get the feeling that, that there are a lot of developers that put up with a lot of stuff that they shouldn't put up with. That right. It does not have to be this hard. How do you teach that? That, that, that seems difficult. You, I don't think you can teach it. Certainly not in the, in the context of like a five-day course like, like I do. I think over time, uh, you can show them, look, this is what it was. These are the changes we need to make. And this is how, because it's well-structured, how easy it is to, to change it. Yeah, yeah. Well, excellent. Um, I think we're running out of time here. So right. um, I, and there's so much more to talk about. Oh, so yeah. maybe we'll, we'll have you back and... Uh, yeah. Um, thanks for coming to the Modern Natural Show. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with others. And we appreciate your uh, watching um, over and out.